When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show. Presented by PointsBet, use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm the host of the CHGO White Sox postgame show, Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We got a full CHGO White Sox crew today. On my far left, it's Vinny Duber. Follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's a CHGO White Sox beat writer. And the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ecknerwall23. He's the CHGO White Sox community leader. We are here after a doubleheader for the White Sox. They won game two, three to two, and lost game one, four to two. We are here to recap those two games. But first, we have very, very important news to pass along to you. Tim Anderson will be out for the next six weeks after tearing his sagittal band in his left hand. So if you're looking at your left hand right now, look at the back of it. Friends, you can look at your middle finger and basically where that right below your bottom knuckle is. That's the sagittal band right there. That muscle right there is what T.A. tore. And he's going to be going... Under, he's what? <laughs> Don't even need your sagittal band. That's ridiculous. Apparently, to Come swing. On. I Get mean, some toughness, TA. Hey, uh, pe- wow. people, people are wow. talking about toughness after uh, Luis Roberts sat in game two and Andrew Vaughn sat in game two. But uh, yeah, six weeks. Uh, Oz is saying, damn it. Uh, six weeks for uh, TA being out. He's going to go under, uh, have surgery at Rush Medical. So um, let's talk about TA being out for six weeks. We talked a little bit about it in the pregame, but we saw the effects today. And Leary Garcia also not looking super Ooh. hot in game two at shortstop seemingly hurting himself on some swings. So the White Sox are banged up right now, Herb. Yeah, and I I wonder, um, I saw the play on Saturday that kind of exasperated the injury where he kind of was swinging and kind of checked his own swing, and it looked like he was grabbing his hand from then. And he played a whole game on, well, he uh, sat on on Sunday, so maybe that was the impetus to taking the suspension because he knew that he could not play anymore. Um, It's bad. T.A., when he's right, is a guy who carries the offense to better things. When he's off, like he's been for like the last month and a half, the White Sox have been winning more games because I think his presence is necessary in the lineup. He's a much better player than Larry Garcia, that goes without saying, even when he's struggling. So him missing this much time in a crucial part of the schedule, not ideal. But we saw what we got from Lennon Sosa today on a hanging slider. If he can provide some of that power at the shortstop position, if Tony allows him to be uh, the shortstop more likely than not than Lurie, because Lurie looked pretty bad today and he had an injury, I think we'll tread water. I don't know if A.J. Pollock is the leadoff hitter because, firstly, he's not a everyday guy, and secondly, you know, struggled mightily today. So we'll, we'll – you know, we'll have to suss out who's going to be the actual leadoff hitter. If I had my druthers, a good Yohan Moncada who hit a home run today would be my leadoff hitter because I know he's going to be playing mostly every day for this team. But T.A. being gone is going to be a big-time blow for the White Sox. Yeah, I mean, T.A. Uh, not being there, we always talk about him being that consistent person at the top of the lineup, but also him in the clubhouse. I thought you talked about it well on the pregame, but bringing it to the postgame here. I mean, what is the clubhouse losing, Vinny? Yeah, I mean, and, you know, Clark brings it up here. Losing T.A. is the gut check. 
it could very well be a gut punch, right? I mean, the the way that T.A. is important to this team goes far beyond just being a 300-something hitter at the top of the lineup. I mean, it, it, it is his personality. you got to remember the White Sox built their entire identity around this guy, whether it's the swagger that Rick Hahn talked about, uh, you know, after the trade deadline whether it's the change-the-game marketing slogan that you see everywhere, the home run in the Field of Dream games, the bat flip heard around the world against the Royals. This guy is this team's, uh, you know, avatar, so to speak, and uh, him going down is a real test to see if they can get that attitude back because obviously that's what Rick Hahn said they needed to get uh, was, was some more swagger, some more attitude, the kind of thing they've shown in previous years when the wins were coming a lot more often than they were this year. Mm-hmm. If they're going to get it back, they're going to need to do it without the guy who provides the majority of it. So Tim Anderson uh, has been described this year as you know very much a leader on this team, a guy who even through all of the down feelings, let's call them, from all the losses that have piled up, has been bouncing around the clubhouse and, and making sure guys are continuing to to be up and do the things they're supposed to do. Uh, I, I said it in the pregame show, and I'll say it again. I, from my vantage point in the press box, the day after the 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 game after the trade deadline, on the day of the trade deadline. T.A., I believe, got out to, to start the first inning of that game, but the White Sox did score some runs in the first inning of that game against the Royals. And what's T.A. doing? Standing on the bench in the dugout, holding the roof, yelling at all his teammates, whether they were in front of him in the dugout or out on the field. Uh, you know, he, he drives the bus. He's the heart and soul of this team. And uh, for him to not be part of these games over the next six weeks, which is the vast majority of the about eight-week pennant race that the, these White Sox are a part of certainly at the moment uh, is going to be a big challenge to see if they're able to stay in it the entirety of those eight weeks. Cade boy loves your stash. And I think we all do. So just shout out to Vinny stash. Um, You know, talking about the actual production on the field, Tim Anderson, his first 40 games this year had like an OPS over 860, right? It was one of his better 40 game stretches in his career. And the last 40 where he's hitting 576, his OPS, like that's one of the worst 40 games he's had over his career. And I think Jim Margulis pointed out at Sox Machine, in the last 39 games, Tim Anderson has had a slugging percentage of 290. Leary Garcia's had a slugging percentage of 290 as well. So they're getting the same production from both guys. And the lost swagger is something that is definitely not something that you can like truly account for you can see it in the clubhouse you could see it you know uh, in a in a situation if you know he's trying to rally the guys up in the clubhouse but honestly it's very very important at this moment that somebody in that clubhouse step up and become that leader we keep talking about you know a leader showing itself and trying to figure out who's the real leader on this team whether it's Jose Abreu leading by example playing in every single game whether it's T.A going in and checking on all of the guys' work, like you were saying, whether it's Lance Lynn um, being that veteran presence in the uh, in, in the pitching rotation, whether it be Johnny Cueto, who's telling guys to lift balls in L.A., being basically a hitting coach, right? We're, we're trying to look for a leader here. And I think this might be a good thing in some way, just because in the last 39 games, when Tim Anderson hasn't been performing – they had a better record when he was performing. They were 22 and 17 when he wasn't performing. They were 20 and 20 when he was performing. So I, I don't know. We might be overstating a little bit that TA is the straw that stirs this whole drink because I think if someone stepped up and took the kind of, you know, mantle here, or someone took the, the torch, I don't think the White Sox are going to be afraid to follow. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just think that if Aloy steps up here and continues to mash like he is, or if your guy A.J. Pollock really turns into the leadoff hitter he was back in 2016, I think the White Sox are just going to be happy to have somebody who is out there leading and, and, and driving this bus. And we thought it was Jose Abreu, but it really hasn't seemed to be the case because he's been performing since May, and this team still continues to flounder. They just lost their 23rd uh, opening game of the series, or opening uh game of a series uh in the first game of this doubleheader so you know the TA injury obviously important but maybe you can find something here maybe it allows someone to step up Lenin Sosa hits a home run today in his first at bat when he finally gets a start maybe it allows them to push some guys up and, and provide some new energy we've seen this with the Cubs this year I mean Christopher Morrell has been one of their better players no one really expected him to be but he came up and brought youthful energy to this team and I honestly feel like they're kind of missing some of that. I mean, you're talking about, you know, being bored through the first part of this game, being bored through the uh, game one. I mean, maybe Lenin Sosa bringing some youthful energy can change the tide here. I hope so. I hope that the the win today was 
because of people we didn't expect to make this major league team or to be part of this major league team. We got great outing from Davis Martin, who no one knew before this season. And then Lenny Sosa, who wasn't supposed to be part of this team with his solo home run to start the game. And then Gavin Sheets with a nice um, three uh, insurance run in the eighth inning right there. He was part, supposed to be part of the team, but, you know, not a big part of the team as he is this year. So maybe leaning Sosa, if he's given the opportunity, can provide a spark, an offensive spark that hasn't really been there for the middle of the infield for a long time. I mean, you could see Josh Harrison being the home run leader since June with his six. It's two months worth of stuff, and he's the home run leader. That's ridiculous. Hopefully, Lennon Sosa takes that mantle in his uh, 14 <laughs> home runs he hit in the double A in a short period of time. He's shown a lot of slug up there. What is uh, up upwards of the 600 slug uh, or 500 slug in a uh, double A? So yeah, double A was 500. I think it was a little bit under 400 or he, a little bit under 500. If he AAA. brings that type of bat to the major leagues a little bit less, that will be a welcome addition. I don't know how his glove plays, but today he looked pretty solid in the in the infield. I would love him to be the shortstop majority of the time and then Josh Harrison being the second baseman and Lurie Garcia playing his regular fifth infield or fourth outfielder role or fifth fifth outfielder with uh, Adam Engel out there. This team could use some youthful uh, energy in there and a little pop in the lineup. And if he can provide it, more power to it. And this is another thing. Yeah, they have to find a way. There's no excuses. Tim is gone. Right. So there's no leaning on, hey, this guy, when this guy comes back, we're going to be shooting. That's like the White Sox mantra. No, Tim's not coming back until six weeks from now. Pretty much cash him. He's over for the year. That's what I would have the mindset. Like, we're not getting Tim back. That's all the guys in this room. It's a cherry on top. If so let's just go. We have no one to wait for. It's just us. So let's go. It's It's very... It's it's very contrasting messaging uh, from from and you know I don't want to put this just on the White Sox because I feel like you hear this from all baseball players but you know what if what is the immediate reaction when when Tim goes down or when anybody goes down with a big injury it's well someone's going to step up someone's got to step up and do it and then what have we heard about the White Sox all year they're pressing trying to do too much all you, they're swinging all these balls out of the strike zone because they're trying to do so much they're trying to hit a five run homer with every swing it's not working so. Where is the balance there? Where is the balance between and, – and, again, it doesn't need to be the guy who's coming up and taking the roster spot like Sosa, the guy who's coming up and going to play in Tim Anderson's position. It doesn't have to be that guy. It could be, like you mentioned, Aloy hitting more to, to, to make up for the lost production that you're losing from T.A. or Robert or, you know, Abreu who's obviously been otherworldly for the majority of the season. But Moncada stepping up would, would do some of that. But, like – Aren't these guys already – haven't we heard all year long that already these guys are trying to do way right. more than they can do? I mean, again, that's different too. It's a mindset at the plate, and your approach versus, you know, guys rallying together, maybe a little uh, intangibles there a little bit. But And, you know, Sean, all the stuff that you brought up there about somebody needing to take over from Tim, you're talking about five different roles that, it, that the guy plays on the team. You know what I mean? Like there's the, there's the leader in the clubhouse, which – by all accounts, he's doing a, a fine job of doing. But, you know, then there's the leader through the production, the guy at the top of the lineup who's going to get the thing going. It, uh, you know, being the leadoff hitter and setting the table is different from being a 300 hitter if you were just anywhere else in the lineup. So those are two different things right there. Um, it's, it's a, those are big shoes to fill with Tim Anderson because he wears so many hats as I keep going with the apparel-related <laughs> metaphor. But uh, it's, it, it's definitely something that's not going to be easy for this team to do and it's it, you know it, what is easy is for people to say oh, I hasn't hit that well the last month and a half oh, I hasn't hit that well the last two months you know good riddance bring in somebody who can do that just as well oh. I mean this is Tim Anderson this is not this is not just some uh, schmo who started the year uh, you know hot and now has cooled off this is a guy who you build your team around in a way well and that's the thing like I'm I got a Yankee fan in my DM saying like oh Matt Carpenter just broke his foot I'm inconsolable like oh I'm so sorry that Matt Carpenter who joined your team on May 26th is gonna be out like you know I'm sorry you just lost franchise cornerstone <laughs> Matt Carpenter in the middle of your season where when you joined the team you had 33 wins where it seems like the White Sox have struggled to even get 33 wins this year at the point of, of August 9th I think Lenin Sosa is just the the guy that should step up or makes the most sense to step up because pressing I think the ability to press means that you have been there and have succeeded before you have gone through the trial and, and tri tribulations of knowing what it's like to 
be at the major league, succeed, fail, and then have to learn how to re-succeed before. We see Gavin Sheets learning how to do that right now, going through the trials and tribulations. We also saw Gavin Sheets just come up and obliterate the ball when he came up last year just because he kind of had that dumb 22-year-old brain. I'm using 22 because that's how old Lenin Sosa is, but he had that you know, young 22-year-old mind where it's like, hey, I got nothing to lose here. And who leads the team in hard-hit balls in this game? Well, Lenin Sosa, who has three hard-hit balls. Like, what do the White Sox need to do more? They need to hit the ball hard. And what did he do in his first at-bat? He hit the hell out of that ball, parked it into the uh, Kauffman Stadium fountains. First off, what a cool way to have a first career home run hitting it into the fountains. I think the only way to top that is to hit it into the pool in Arizona. So shout out, out the to river in Pittsburgh, the cove in San Francisco. That's true. It's those debatable. are na- those are naturally occurring bodies of water. That is true. <laughs> uh, not not man-made like the hot tub out in Arizona. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this is the perfect guy to step up. Like it's shortstop. It's a, it's a key position. This is the position he's been playing all year down in triple and double a. And yes, he wasn't a, top made prospect coming into the season. I think he was outside the top 20 for most uh, prospect rankings uh, this year um, and has moved his way up after a great start in, in AA. And yeah, he might not work, but Lieri Garcia over, you know, since 2019 has an OPS of 666. Like Lieri Garcia cool. also really hasn't worked <laughs> since 2019. So I'm fine giving Lenin Sosa a shot. And if he fails, he fails. How about that? So since 2019, oh, right. Lauri's OPS is 666. Oh, we saw on Twitter from the Great Sox nerd that uh, Lenin Sosa was the 666th White Sox <laughs> uh, player to ever hit a home run for the White Sox. So rock and roll, everybody. There, there it is right there. Our Dark Lord is ruling over our White Sox. That's, <laughs> you, why, that's why we got the record we got. If you play back Jason Benetti's home run call of Lenin Sosa's <laughs> home run, there is a devil-worshipping message in there. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it could be fun. It, it could be, uh, you know, exciting to have new youth on this team. And it sucks not having Tim Anderson here, obviously. You know, you I s- mean. Like you were talking about, Larry Garcia – and always a punching bag for us White Sox fans, but he's got a limiting factor. It's because White Sox managers fall in love with the guy and the player, the versatility, and they think that is valuable, and it is, but we see the production, it's not there. And today, we saw in the first inning, or the first time he came up to bat, something obviously went wrong with his lower body. I don't know where his knee, his foot, something. But they allowed him just to be hurt the rest of the game and he looked horrible struck out three straight times did not look good and then gave the ball a ride in his last at bat but ultimately we know what we're going to get from Larry Garcia it's not going to be anything earth shattering we don't know what we're going to get from Ling Sosa might as well try it out I know for the most part we're probably going to get the same if not better from Lenin Sosa as far as stats than we get from Larry Garcia. So might as well try that out with a little bit more of a power bet. Well, it sounds like you're going to see him tomorrow. Uh, oh, Daryl Van Scowen reporting from Kansas City that he's going to play tomorrow and he might play on Thursday as well. So Ooh, there you go. There give him all the time. Let's right. go. So all you people bad-mouthing Tony, all right? And, uh, hey, uh, Town fanboy saying, Larry must be hurt. TLR said Sosa will play tomorrow, maybe Thursday too. So maybe that is just stemming from Leary being hurt. Maybe they saw enough today. Um, it could be a mixture of both. Um, and Kai saying, get off your phone. He's doing important reporting, How am I going to figure He's out what Daryl's tweeting if I'm not on my phone? Come job. on now. Come on, Kai. Come on, Kai. <laughs> um, Remember, Dal- come on, Daniel. Daniel, Polka, don't be bringing up names like that. 108 legend. Yeah, exactly. And and Mets triple uh, A legend. I think Still. he's got like 15 home runs down there. Uh, that's been the number. And uh, this is from uh, James Vegan. He tweeted this out after I think it was Sunday's win, or not tweeted out, but it was in his uh, article. Uh, and now updating this after the two games today. White Sox 39 and 42 since 2020 without Tim Anderson. So, you know, tells basically you, 500. Tells you, but it tells you what you need to know because, I mean. <laughs> Certainly this year, that's not, uh, you know, deviating from the mean right. very much. But, uh, you know, in, in years past, obviously, that has been a dramatic difference. You do not want to be under 500, as White Sox fans well know, from watching a team do that for a uh, significant portion of this season. And uh, Tim Anderson makes you better. There's no doubt about that. And how about this? When Tim Anderson can likely return if you're going six weeks from today on Tuesday, that's Tuesday, September 20th where you start a three-game series versus the Cleveland Guardians. 
Then you got a three-game series versus the Detroit Tigers, and then you get to the final nine games, three games against Minnesota, three games against San Diego, and three games against Minnesota. So if T.A. does return in that six-week timetable, you're going to get him for four uh, in-division uh, series. So you're going to get him back at the right time, and we, we talked to him about it a little bit uh, in the pregame as well, uh, just the extending of the season because of the lockout might end up helping the White Sox because Tim Anderson will be able to return and help them for some and divisional games. I think games. you were uh, alluding to maybe Sosa goes wild in this time that Tim's off and you can't take him off the field. You know Tim's coming back and he's going to be playing. So maybe that creates a good problem where Sosa is now Wouldn't, installed into the second baseman and Tim right. back could be in shortstop. You have the developed player in the major league getting MLB at bats and now he's uh, going into a pennant chase and then pops possibly a playoff game where he's, you know, been conditioned for major league pitching. He understands it and he's getting the job done. And then you can kind of say, hey, Josh Harrison, Larry Garcia, it's been good, but this kid has been kicking ass. I got to ride the hot hand. Well, and a good problem, too, because then that allows you to play Josh Harrison elsewhere. Like if, if let's say, you know, Yohan Mankata, he struggles versus right-handed pitching. You know, if Josh Harrison is a better right-handed hitter, which he is, uh, 686 OPS uh, this year against right-handed pitching, if he's a better option at third base when you're going up against right-handed pitching, like maybe that ex extends your options. You have Sosa at second base. You have Harrison at third base. Anderson at shortstop. Mankata coming off the bench. Leary allowed to roam or rove wherever he wants. Like it just creates depth, and depth has been a problem. It's the the problem I wanted Rickon to solve at the trade deadline, and obviously we know uh, Jake Diekman being the only addition then, they didn't solve that problem. And then immediately after the trade deadline, you see Tim Anderson go down, and now you're wondering how big of a problem was the Danny Mendick injury when it happened because now you know the, the, that injury causes more lack of depth, and if Garcia goes down, there's not another Lenin Sosa to call up. You know, it's, it's probably Albert Sanchez that gets a call up. Or maybe you have to go into some of the free agent bins here. Like, Didi Gregorius just got let go of the, uh, the, from the Phillies. Like, no. maybe you have to pick him up. Right. No. But, like, I mean, he's been hurt by the vaccine uh, and hasn't been the same player. So, you know, I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, he's uh, really bad. I looked up stats for the last couple of years. Lurie Garcia is actually a better hitter than Didi Gregorius in the last two years, which surprised me yeah he seems to have lost all of his power and said that uh the vaccine has taken that away so uh, <laughs> maybe um that's this is a renowned uh scientific expert dd gregorius correct isn't it Dr. Didi? Dr. Didi? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yes, indeedy. <laughs> <laughs> the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. That's not it. If you make $50 or more first-time deposit, you receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all the web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. Right now is a perfect time to take advantage of this offer. Getting a free CHGO membership is very important because you'll get access to Vinny Duber's great written articles on all CHGO. HGO.com. You'll get access to Jared Willis's and, and Ryan Herrera's Cubs coverage as well. You'll get all of the training camp coverage from our Bears team. You'll get all of the Blackhawks, Sky, Fire, Red Stars coverage as well if you become a member uh, and, and join uh, at allchgo.com. But if you use the PointsBet app, uh, sign up using code CHGO. You'll get the CHGO membership, unlocking all that web content. You'll get access to our CHGO Discord, uh, where you'll be able to talk to all of our CHGO personalities, and you'll get the free shirt from the CHGO locker. And it's a great time, too, because we have a brand-new shirt, the size C shirt. So when he goes out to the mound on Thursday, you want the proper merch to rep your ace. So take advantage of this fantastic offer. You get $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet using the code CHGO. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. And you should download the PointsBet app right now use promo code chgo and what are you waiting for it's time to elevate your live betting game once the game starts don't just bet live your bet life at points bet if you or somebody you know has a gambling problem wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services and our next partner the best coverage in sport, uh, Chicago sports, Chicago sports fans, your home for the best Chicago sports coverage is partnering with a leader in the sports merchandise and collectibles world. CHGO has teamed up with FOCO to secure your access to the best collectibles and gear around, whether it's Bears, Cubs, White Sox, Blackhawks, Bulls, FOCO has suit 
has something for you, your kid, a friend, or a loved one. If you're looking for some new gear, collectibles, or accessories, Foco has officially licensed gear for men, women, and kids with everything from bobbleheads to swimsuits to Crocs. I think they have one of the most extensive, extensive lists of White Sox bobbleheads, a lot in the City Connect uniforms. They had three with, I think it was Robert, Tim Anderson, and Jose Abreu. If you're a big Dallas Keuchel fan, you can get the Dallas Keuchel Gold Glove bobblehead. So head over to Foco.com. Foco has you covered on the best Chicago merchandise of your favorite team. Head over to Foco.com or click the link in the YouTube description below. And for all non-presale items, use promo code CHGO for 10% off. Again, at Foco, F-O-C-O, Dot com or click the link in the YouTube description below. All right. Do we want to talk about game one or game two? Let's, I guess game one. Yeah, let's right. start with game one. White Sox lose four to two. Brady Singer shuts them down. Uh, another right-hander, another right-hander with a good enough slider to just really neutralize the White Sox bats. Herb, did you learn anything from game one? No, it's just the same old, same old that the White Sox usually do this year where they don't provide any runs for... You could say that Lance Lynn giving up four runs in the innings that he's pitched uh, is a bad outing. I wouldn't say that. I say it's just a mediocre outing. You expect more from him. I thought the pitch that uh, Vinny Pasquantino, what is it? Is it Pasquantino? Yeah, Pasquantino. Hit, hit off him. The cutter inside just didn't get inside enough, and we saw Pasquantino hit another home run in the second game. That's just his pitch. I mean, this is a young rookie, so now you understand that he can get the barrel inside to uh, pitches and barrel it up, and that just wrapped around the fair pole there. So I don't too much blame him for that. Walking uh, Salvi Perez in front of him might be the more egregious thing that I would uh, look at. And then another uh, two-run home run late in the game. So four runs, you should be able to at least battle, and the White Sox did not the whole game. It was just a sad game where the offense didn't come through when they needed to. And so, like anything... It's just the same broken record as Vinny said. Same flat line going through the whole year. And flat line is a perfect explanation for what the White Sox offense has been. Even scoring three runs today in the second game. It's not anything that great shakes. You just had a good outing from the starting pitcher, and then the bullpen did its job. I just need this offense to wake up and concentrate a little bit more, execute a lot more when they have base runners on and get more base runners on. As Steven pointed out, our first walk came 15 innings into this doubleheader. Well, that's that's piss poor. And thankfully for the White Sox, they don't combine the two 18 innings because then they would have gotten outscored 7-5 to five, um, and lost <laughs> both games, right? So, you know, thankfully baseball doesn't work that way. I mean, you said, do you want to talk about game one first or game two? They, the you know... You could put them together because the same thing happened in both of them. Here's the thing. They're at a point now, and, and Herb, you, you just talked about it, where in the vast majority of their games, they need the starting pitcher to only give up one run if, or two runs if they're going to win. I mean, that's silly. I mean, yeah. it's silly because here's the thing. They have the pitchers that can do that. Absolutely, they have starting pitchers that can do that. Dylan Cease has been doing it for two months, uh, you know, for a whole season, basically. Michael Kopech has done it plenty of times this year. We know Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn are capable of doing it when they're right. Uh, And Johnny Cueto has made a habit of doing that kind of thing too. But guess what? You're not going to do that 162 games, and you're definitely not going to do it enough times to win the number of games that we thought that they were going to win. The point of the season right now is that the offense hasn't performed. Guess what happened today? The offense didn't perform. They They scored Five runs. Three of them were on solo home runs, which has been a rarity this year. That's mm-hmm. kind of interesting that that happened, I suppose. But uh, and then the you know Gavin Sheets was clutch. I mean, you could look at you could look at game two as as hey they you know this is a they they were able to do it. They got the timely hit that they needed from Gavin Sheets, so that even when Liam Hendricks went out there and and struggled with the wild pitches, they were able to win the game. It's you know you. Any team is going to, no matter how good your offense is, is going to need to win a game like they did in game two. But this offense has been that offense all year long. And five runs in 18 innings worth of baseball against the Kansas City Royals is not what we expected from this team. This team should be way, way better than that. And they aren't. For the majority of the season, they have not been better than that. And this has been the tale now for four and a half, four and a half months and uh, it shows no sign because we're still talking about it here uh, on August, whatever today is, uh, that uh, it is that it's not getting the job done. This lineup, right? And you know, you talk about it too. I mean, 
you mentioned, I think, when I first walked in, like Lance Lynn going six innings and giving up four on runs is basically an American League start, right? You look at the White Sox starting pitching since July 22nd. I think this was flashed up in either game one or game two of the NBC Sports Chicago broadcast. The White Sox had the third best ERA for their starters since July 22nd um, at like 275. I'm checking it right now on Fangraphs. It says since the 22nd, they have the sixth best ERA at 325, the starters do. So still the sixth best ERA in baseball, and they're still basically a 500 team. And it all comes back to the you know, stupid offense that has only scored 60 runs since the 22nd. So again, it's just frustrating when Brady Singer goes out there and throws 71% strikes. Lance Lynn's out there, you know, throwing 65% strikes and somehow Lance Lynn gets hit, hit around and, you know, Brady Singer doesn't. And they're both not walking guys. They both have uh, one walk. Brady Singer doesn't walk a single guy um, in today's game. And yet the White Sox can't find a way to either find the outfield grass or <laughs> find the ability to have guys on when they're, when, when they're hitting home runs today. And, and, you know, the Josh Harrison one too, the longest at bat at that point of the game leads to a home run. Well, maybe you should do that more often. Maybe drawing out at bat should be a part of the White Sox MO. And it, it really hasn't been uh, worked in by this coaching staff or by the players so far through August. We saw it early in the game. The first two batters swung at the first pitches they saw. I didn't know that uh, Luis Robert is a guy who's going to swing first pitch most of the time. And then uh, A.J. Pollock, who led off the game, it was a rocket, and he just got caught in right field. So I didn't have too much of a problem with that, but it seemed like Brady Singer was just cruising through. He was just like, okay, you guys are not going to be uh, patient today. And when you were, you, you saw Josh Harrison saw more pitches that made him more dangerous, and that's why you get the ball over the fence. And so the White Sox need to do something different than they are doing now. We were talking in the pregame. I don't know if they practice too much, practice too little. Do the opposite of what you do I mean, the road is usually much better. Do the opposite of what you do at home on the road and do the opposite of what you do right now for practice. Just do, don't do anything. Like, come in at 5 o'clock. I know they usually come in like 3 or 4, right, of any before a 7 o'clock game? Like the players, the players? Or, yeah. or me? The players. The players are there well before I am. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> I think it's way too much time at the ballpark anyways. Relax. Come in at 5. You want them to have the Odrissimer Despagne schedule. Yeah, just, hey, chill out. I mean, I don't want them to perform like Odrissimer Despagne. Can you whiteboard the Odrissimer Despagne? So typically, before a, a game, the starting pitcher uh, will go out and throw, uh, you know, a, a good number of warm-up pitches in the bullpen. Uh, you know, usually go out there maybe half hour, you know, or so before first pitch. And then right before the game starts or right before the anthem, usually they make their way in, uh, you know, into the to the dugout so they can go out there and pitch. Uh, Odrissimer Despagne would kind of go out there right before the game started. <laughs> like, he'd go like 10, 15 minutes before first pitch, throw a couple, and then walk right in. Uh, you know, and so... Uh, Explains a lot. Yeah, the Odrissimer Despagne schedule, you want the whole team to uh, abide by that. Just one day. Like, just come in and do something different. Make it a change. Guys, we're pressing too much. Batting practice, the batting cages are closed. If you need to get your own shit, do it, do it some other time. But you get here at 5 o'clock, a couple, couple hours for the game, get your stretching in, all that stuff, but we're not hitting. So the guys, the guys who are having trouble hitting. either hearing, understanding, implementing whatever the hitting coach is saying to them. Yes. So they're not doing a very good job of practicing. No. The solution is just stop, don't practice stop at all. Practicing. <laughs> Stop practicing. Do because whatever you're doing right now, it's not working. At this place, at this point, they've played 110 games. Do something else. Whatever they're doing, and they're doing it wrong. Like yeah, Frank needs to just do a different uh, style and do a different method. Come in, just picking Shit. names out of hats. I don't know different things than they're doing because this offense, while they get hits. They don't get hits when runners are in scoring position. They don't get a lot of runs. As Sean said, since what, July 27th, they've got 60 runs? Uh, since July 22nd, 65 runs in 17 games, which is a 3.8 average. So their starters are giving up, up about 3.25 per start. So they're winning. So on average, they're well, winning is the, what you're saying. Well, they're winning by a half a run every game. The relievers come in, and that's the issue. Ah, Kendall ah. Graveman had the Colorado debacle, Ooh, um, which was not fun. Our guy Jarrett saying, just say it, Vinny. The offense is a complete shit show. <laughs> um, well, I'll say it for Vinny um, because they just faced Brady Singer and couldn't 
figure out Brady Singer. Brady Singer threw 71% strikes, and they couldn't hit him for shit today. Uh, let's look at the pitch mix for Brady Singer and Lance Lynn. And then we'll stop talking about game one and then move on to game two. And then Where they also didn't score very many runs. Three. It's but it was better, same. I think. Uh, we'll start with Brady Singer's pitch mix. He threw 60 sinkers today. The White Sox put 15 of them in play. They also fouled off 12. But the big thing, 14 called strikes and two whiffs. Some of those to send down White Sox hitters, mainly Gavin Sheets. He got dealt with a real bad shadow and a sinker that looked like a ball and then Right when it hit the shadow, broke right over the heart of the plate. Um, not a great day for White Sox hitters facing Brady Singer. 30% called strike plus whiff percentage there. MLB average is 27%. So shout out to Brady Singer. I mean, he just comes in and throws strikes, and that's what he's done his entire major league career. And versus the White Sox, that's exactly what you need to do because the White Sox are very, very aggressive, and if you're locating in the right place, you will limit hard contact. Brady Singer allows an average exit velocity today of 86.4. He got the job done for the Royals today. Lance Lynn, like Herb said, it wasn't a bad day. You know, it was a fine day. 47% fastballs, 23% or 47 fastballs, uh, 23 cutters, 10 curveballs, six sinkers. And that was actually the pitch that I was wondering if he could get working. Uh, maybe that would turn him around because that was one of his better pitches, pitches last year, his sinker. Um, his four-seam fastball, his cutter, and sinker were all negative run value pitches last year. His sinker is the one that's been get uh, hit it hard this year. And I think the main thing has just been location. A lot of it either over the plate or two inside. And he just kind of abandoned it today, um, only throwing it six times. So uh, unsure of what's going on with Lance. Lynn's sinker, and you can see from his four-seam fastball, 13 balls in play, and I think the average exit velocity on that was uh, 88, so it wasn't that bad, but 13 balls in play. His cutter uh, had an average exit velocity of 100 on six balls in play, so Lance Lynn did get knocked around a fair amount, but again, enough to put the White Sox in a position to win. You'll put yourself in a position to win if you drink Owen. It's only what you need. I first heard about it from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields. It's a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you the nutrition that works as hard as you do, and all their products are free of artificial ingredients. They're allergen-friendly. There's no gluten or dairy, and they're easily digestible. I just head to the Owen website, liveowen.com. That's L-I-V-E-O-W-Y-N.com, and it has a little goal. If you're looking to either have some healthy snacking be your goal, if you're looking for high-protein and low-sugar diet to be your goal, if you're looking for weight loss to be your goal, maybe you're looking for more probiotic smoothies, or maybe you're looking for some fitness and muscle recovery, liveowen.com has a quiz and will tailor their products for your lifestyle. And I think that it's a great place to start figuring out how to help your body live that plant-based life. Justin Fields lives it. He follows his plant-based diet. He highly recommends it. And obviously, he's made it to the NFL. What he's putting into his body has gotten him pretty damn far. Probably his athletics, uh, his, his athletic genes helped him get there as well. But These are athletic genes. Those are athletic yeah. genes as well. Different kind of genes, though. Ah. Genes with a G. Ah, gotcha. Um, you know, those genes, he's treating well with 100% plant-based protein shakes. And uh, Herb likes the chocolate kind. We've tried the vanilla kind. We've tried the salted caramel kind. We've tried the strawberry banana kind. All very, very fantastic flavors. So go get only what you need. Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. And with code CHGO20, you can get 20% off your first purchase. Again, at liveowen, L-I-V-E-O-W-Y-N.com. And you can join me and Justin Fields and try Owen. It's only what you need. And finally, got to let you know again about CHGO. Head over to allchgo.com if you're looking to become a member. You get access to our great written articles uh, by all of our staff. we got White Sox coverage, Cubs coverage, Blackhawks coverage, Bulls coverage, uh, both soccer team coverage. Janice Scurrio is out there at the Sky Game. I think they just finished up the regular season today. Herb's wearing the shirt. So if you're looking to get your Chicago sports coverage, head to allchgo.com, become a member. Members get access to all the written articles. They get access to the CHGO Lounge, which is our CHGO Discord, which you can chat with all of us in. I know our guy Bob sent you a message because you were asking, you know, what were White Sox fans expecting from the 2022 season? He had a very nice response uh, in the CHGO Discord. So it's where, you know, we're having conversations with you, Chicago fans. And then finally, 
probably most importantly, what people care about, you get a free shirt when you become a member. And we have a brand new shirt for White Sox fans as well. So if you're looking to support your ace on Thursday, head over to allchgo.com and become a member. Get access to those premium written articles. Get access to our CHGO Discord and make sure you get your hands on our fantastic, fantastic Chicago sport t-shirt designs at allchgo.com. Com. Uh, Joe R. R points out the Orioles would be in first place in the Central. Um, yeah. And, yeah, this is a real ugly division. The Twins are currently losing out in L.A. 4-1 to one in the bottom of the third, which means with the Guardians win, and if the Twins continue to lose, we will have a tie at the first place. White Sox will be two games out. What are we making of the AL Central here? White on- Sox would be a game, a game and, and a half, half out. Is it a game and a half? Yeah, they're two games out currently. Okay, so two games out right now. They would be a game and a half out of first place with a Twins loss. What do we make of the AL Central here on August 9th? No TA. I mean, it feels like the Twins are crumbling. The Guardians are sticking in it. Are we still saying the White Sox? Like, how would we define the White Sox? Sticking in it at this point? Failing? I mean, I don't Division stinks. Yeah. no Division one's, stinks. No one's running away, and the White Sox are just holding water they're just doing the same they're they've been doing all year long and I am more afraid of the Guardians than I'm afraid of the Twins I think the Twins are straight trash they're not that good they're top heavy they have good stars in Brian Buxton Correa but no one on that Twins team other than those guys I'm like uh, we're gonna be in trouble with with Guardians it's a lot of people the pitching staff is real good. You saw what Tristan McKenzie did the other day with his one to nothing victory. Um, they have Shane Bieber going out to the bump. I think he pitched today. They have Jose Ramirez, of course. Josh Naylor, guy who had, what, eight RBI versus the White Sox in, like, three innings. They have a <laughs> bunch of people that I'm like, okay, Emmanuel Classe. Mm-hmm. And it looks like James Karinchek, that fucking guy, is back to being good again without the uh, sticky stuff. So they are the scary team. But the White Sox, when they put it all together, if that ever happens, this might be like somebody mentioned it's the Adam Dunn year when he first came to the White Sox where everybody's like, okay, he's a 40 home run hitter every year. He's going to hit 40 home runs. And at the end of the year, he had 11. Maybe that's what the White Sox are going to be. But I cannot believe that this team is going to be a 56 and 54 team around 500 the whole time. Maybe they're not going to go ass-kickingly great and get 90 wins. But at the end of the year, I think 86, 87 wins should be where the White Sox should be at. And I think the Guardians will be right behind them and the Twins will fail and flail off. A lot of comments here today and, of course, throughout the season because that's the kind of season it's been. You know, time to accept it. The White Sox are mediocre. You know, the White Sox have shown us who they are over the course of the season. You might not be wrong, and they might still win the division. That's honestly the position that we're that this division is in right now. The Central has three really underwhelming teams in it, and none of them have to be all that good to be better than the other two. That's really all it comes down to. It, it, is, a, it is a group of three teams that refuse to have one of them break away from each other, and this mediocrity of the three of them might just roll right on for another two months, and we can get to the last week of the season, and it's just who has the most wins out of these three middling teams. It really could come down to that because you can say as, as much truth about the disappointment that the White Sox have been this year, and they might wake up tomorrow a game and a half out of first place. And the Guardians. Without Tim Anderson. Just la- losing Tim Anderson right. for six weeks. Last <laughs> six games are all at home. All versus the Kansas City Royals. It's the quirk in the schedule where you, you know, you had to take the games that were canceled at the beginning of the year because of lockout and put them at the end of the schedule. They're all at home oh, versus the Royals. Six games in a row. It's amazing. That's fucked up. Yeah. So they get to eat versus the Kansas City Royals, the team that you just saw today. No great shakes. No great pitchers out there for the Kansas City Royals. And the Cleveland Guardians get to eat. So that's why the White Sox got to do work before that because they're facing the Minnesota Twins, the San Diego Padres, who are going to be trying to get into a playoff spot, and then the Minnesota Twins again. Do you guys know when you're on ESPN and you're looking at the schedule and it says, like, tickets as low as $8 or whatever on StubHub? It's never real. I don't okay. really use ESPN.com that's very fair. much, and but yeah. I, I don't blame you. Um, I use allchgo.com. Very smart. We don't have a schedule, I don't think. <laughs> um, but... For that, those six games in Cleveland, um, I'm surprised to see the lowest ticket 
for any of the Cleveland Kansas City games is on the Sunday October 2nd for $32. The cheapest ticket to go Big see games. the Royals and Big Guardians games. is $32. G-Men and Royals. By the way, there are some tremendous comments uh here during the chat about what the AL Central is. I enjoy Clark's uh, reference to the Lion King 2, uh, Simba's Pride, I believe was the name <laughs> of the movie. Um, and then I'm also uh, a big fan of calling the AL Central uh, Van Halen with Gary Sharon. Okay. That's oh. about right. I was, I, if you would have asked me, I would have said, oh, the AL Central is Van Hagar. But, uh, yeah, this, this, is, this is even worse. I like that. I think there was one up there, too, Stephen, if you want to scroll up. Uh, AL Central is basically Omar Epps in Major League 2 as well. So, uh, I, I, you know. Keep it coming with the AL Central jokes. Uh, yeah, if you said 30 wins, um, or you said you know 86 wins, right? They're currently at 56. There's, well, they've played 110 games, right? So they need to go 30 and 22 for the last 52 games. That means to they basically need to. Wins. I, don't, I don't see that happening. Well, I mean, yes. The eight it, games above 500. That means they team? need to win every series from here on out, basically, right? Which they've won or tied each series. Since the second half has started, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they have the ability. Oh, Sean's yes. very disappointed yes. about that it's fact. It's very, very unrealistic to go eight games over 500. Like, saying that, it, like, breaks my brain because oh. this team doing that would be hard as hell. They would just have to win I mean, let's score more runs. Let's just take it series by series then because I am, I am being pessimistic. I'm being bitter. Um Looking at the last two games of the series, you yes. got Cueto and Bubich and Easy. Cease versus Granke. They should be wins. And I and I just have a feeling tomorrow, or I mean, it's probably going to be tomorrow because they're facing a left-hander. I'm going to be sitting here disappointed after a White Sox loss. Can I pause on something, um, Vinny? Um, Snake Eyes says AL Central is Star Wars seven, eight, and nine. Um, can you uh, whiteboard that for me? Uh, so those are the newest ones. Okay, the newest ones, which uh, many uh, Star Wars fans did not like. Okay, uh, I uh, have Perfect. the I really liked seven and eight. I thought nine was real bad, but I didn't. I didn't. I, I really liked seven and eight, which will probably be an unpopular opinion among some, I, some folks. I thought seven, eight, and nine were better than one, two, three. Ooh, Oh, uh, yeah. That's, yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. Yeah. So the AL Central is Phantom is, Menace. Is, yeah, yeah. Is well, sure. Phantom one, two, Menace. Three, and isn't that like uh, those are the Return ones of the, the Jedi? No, no, no. no. Those, okay. That's four, five, six. Yeah, come oh. on. Her those are the first. You are. Yeah. yeah. Those are the first two. Uh, those are the first three movies to come oh, out oh, right. chronologically. But Correct. those are the yeah. fourth in the you know right. just the telling of the story. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because they told it in so a smart way. So there you way. go. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Cueto versus Bubich tomorrow. I mean, Cueto consistently gives you six innings of three earned runs. Can you beat a left-hander? And the I mean, you see them going up against our, our, our guy Raggins on Thursday, and Ugh. they couldn't beat him. I mean. Do we have enough confidence in this team going in tomorrow no. against a left-hander, especially no. seeing what they just did today? I think you asked, like, can the White Sox win four games in Kansas City? It's like, no, they can't win it. It's like, I can barely think if they can win three out of four. They'll probably split this series like they split the uh, doubleheader today. They'll go two and two, somehow lose the Dylan Cease game when we're, like, dorming, and we're like, here, okay, cool, let's get three out of four in Kansas City, and then Zach Grinke gets one of the Zach Grinke performances, and it's, like, seven innings of two strikeouts and one earned run, and Dylan Cease gives up two earned runs, and the White Sox lose two to one. He's like, son of a bitch, we're out here. <laughs> we're out here, and then Dylan Cease breaks his, uh, his earned, earned run streak right there, and you're like, oh, God, we lost the goddamn Kansas City Royals we could have d taken the series from them. And then you're going to say the Tiger series on the weekend. Got to remember, Friday is Cascade night. So we never <laughs> win on Cascade night. <laughs> they never we had never a Cascade had. night. Exactly. So Detroit, They're undefeated on Cascade nights. They are undefeated on Cascade night. But the weekend, this the weekend coming back home, remember they don't play well at home. Detroit is playing a little bit better. They're not as bad as the team we saw at the beginning of the year. So, yeah, winning two out of three should be the mark, should be, like, easy. But this team always makes it hard versus mediocre teams. What are their record versus teams under 500? Isn't it just around 500? And they play much wetter versus guys who are above 500? So, yeah, it's advantageous schedule, easy schedule down the line. Eight games seems impossible, but... All they need to do is score more runs. Listen, it's, it's very – we've been looking all year for this mythical turning point, right? 
And I think it might be coming this weekend because Ooh. what would what would spark a team more than not having to see ads for the Cascade concert? <laughs> I don't know. I can't give you a serious answer. I think well, it wasn't a serious comment, so that's okay. I think they're going to be thrilled to stop seeing the Cascade uh, commercials. Them pushing the Cascade. I play the other people's Chicago music. native Cascade. Big Sox fan. Oh, huge Big Sox, Sox fan. fan Cascade. Um, I, I really think that everyone should check out the Cascade Christmas album. Um, real, real uh, installation. How are they going to allow you play Much that better music? Than LA Just a remix of Jingle Bells or something like that? Cascade Christmas. L.A. women by the doors. Do they allow your hands you, are in the wrong spot? Do they allow you to bring in know. ecstasy into the ballpark? That's the music you got to listen to. Are you got to have? And I mean, you got to listen to that crappy music. So you got to have something mind altering to at least enjoy that type of music. Is it possible that Cascade maybe gives the White Sox a, a pregame speech and he turns into the Jason Hayward of the South Side? <laughs> He did, he just, <laughs> just like Johnny Cueto was going to say, hit the ball in the air. He just remixes the Gipper speech. It's like, <laughs> win one for, for the, the Ricket, 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 Gipper. <laughs> it's like, that's what I do. Now give me $1,000. <laughs> uh, hey, it's going to happen alum? tonight. You, you heard it. Is that Glenbard <laughs> North or uh, Alex Rude said Glenbard North alum or GBN alum? Is that Glenbard North? I don't know. Let me look. Or Glenbrook North. Both terrible. I know he, but he went out to like Utah when he was like after college, I think. Yeah, he's or after high school. Yes, he, so uh, I think he's some Glenn Brook North. Glenn Brook North, Ugh. and then he went to BYU. Like all good Chicagoans, like Jim McMahon and others. Well, future Chicago and Jim McMahon, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, my friend. Uh, anyways, I don't know. Do we have anything else to add to this? I think Cascade is probably the... Cascade's the, brought the, the show to a screeching halt. <laughs> I think Not we could just end it show. on this. You know, April 12th is a very important day. It's the day I said the White Sox are going to overtake August first 12th place. August 12th is even more important. What did I say? April. Oh, oh, yeah. my bad. August 12th is a very important day. I said that was the day the White Sox are going to overtake first place. And it's the Cascade Day, the day Vinny says the White Sox are going to turn the season around. So, you know, you heard it here, folks. Um, and what is the Brit- British kid? Vinny gets this right about the turnaround point for the Sox. Puts him and his mustache on the Mount Rushmore of Chicago sports right now. We had to make a Mount Rushmore of Chicago sports right now. It's Vinny, Dylan Cease. Who else? Of mustaches? No, just of Chicago <laughs> just sports. Just in general. It just happened. It just ha- has I mean. Candace Parker, of course. Okay, Candace Parker. And Cascade. And Cascade. Yeah. There you go. That's the Mount Rushmore of Chicago sports. And Cascade is going to bring joy to all White Sox fans by turning around their season uh, after his post-game uh, concert or whatever the fuck he's doing on Imagine the naming yourself after some dishwashing soap. <laughs> he, yeah, I mean, he, he said it wasn't even after, like, the mountain range. He moved out to the Cascade Mountain Range. Cascade Mountains are in, uh, in Washington State. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't extend. Isn't that the whole thing about mountain ranges? They're kind of long. Well, no, you're describing the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. They go through Utah there hmm. for, for a bit. I thought I read a little little thing about it. <laughs> mm, I don't know. All right, whatever. Uh, oh, yeah, no. Hold on. He later, I, I have it right here. He did not take his name from the Cascade Range in the Pacific Northwest, as some fans cite. Um, he took a stage name from a nature book when he saw a picture of a waterfall and a coworker agreed Cascade with a C was a good choice, but then he changed the spelling as we all know. Right. So, right. All right. Yeah. That's going to do it. Um, <laughs> I bet you he's watching right now. Just crying. I mean, he's a huge <laughs> CHGO White Big Sox, Sox fan. fan. Big Sox. Huge. Carcavice. Someone said, I appreciate that. Cascade Carcavice. If he was a true Sox fan, he would just also have a, an album name. Carcavice. But it would be with C's instead of K's. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox postgame show. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's the CHGO White Sox beat writer. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's the CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox postgame show. We hope the White Sox hit more home runs tomorrow versus Chris Bubich. We will be here for a 6.30 pregame show, and we will be joining you after for a CHGO White Sox postgame show. Hopefully the boys show up for Johnny Cueto. Again, the White Sox win game two. They win that three to two, and they lose game one, four to two. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you to Stephen Nicholas for his production, and thank you to Fleetwood Mac for their 1979 album, Tusk. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go Sox.